Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler podcast. My name is Elliot. And if you're listening to this, chances are you are a North American waterfowler. That's why I named this podcast what I named it, because there is a unique nature to North American waterfowlers, guys that are just eaten up with the sport, guys that can't stop thinking about it, can't stop chasing waterfowl, can't stop. I'm just, it's down to the core essence of who you are. It's not a hobby. It goes beyond a hobby. It's who you are, a huge part of you, something deep down inside of us. Ancestors of hunters from long ago. The name, the North American waterfowler just holds a lot of meaning. So thank you for joining me on this next episode of the podcast we just concluded weekend number three of the teal season and i am going to break down this weekend number three of the teal season i will tell you we are off to a really really good start and i'm going to go over to the north american waterfowler app and i'm going to compare my numbers from last year to this point to my numbers now and i think that you'll see how much now last year i'll say was unusually bad start for me we always have good teal starts the teal hunting in our areas are just really really good but this is a this is um certainly a really really good start for us so i'm going to go over talk about this weekend i went on three hunts friday saturday sunday um friday i was hunting by myself saturday i was hunting with aiden and jeremy and then on sunday it was just aiden and myself 
Fumble stayed home for this one. Aiden and I kind of had a wives weekend, which was pretty cool. A chance to kind of take the waterfowling, bring the wives along, let them hang out, go out to dinner. It was really fun. We stayed at Aiden's place. It was really, really fun. So those are the things I'm going to be talking about today. Also, we're going to do a comment of the week that I think you're going to be really, really interested in. But before we get into all of that, guys, I've been using the final approach gear for two years now. Everything from the decoys to the waders to the bags. And I'm I love I love it. I love final approach gear. I'm being absolutely honest. You can find it at fabrand.com. And one thing I like about these guys, and they're the Rogers guys, <clears throat> is I've been out there, I've gotten to know them, and I'm telling you, they care about their products. So let me give you an example. The One of the big complaints I had with a couple of the bags I had last year was the zippers. The zippers broke quickly. And as I was giving them feedback, and I was talking to them about them, and I was like, um, I think it was just late July, early August. And I, I mentioned, man, uh, the only really issue I had last year was the zippers. And they're like, yeah, we've already looked into that. We've already taken care of it. This stuff has new zippers. They'd already identified the problem. They'd already fixed it. I'm telling you, these guys, they care about making quality products. And this is going to be getting better from year to year to year. So if you're still looking for your waterfowl stuff before you buy anything, at least get on to FABrand.com. Check out what they've got. For 10% off, you can use the product code FDH10. And I, I don't think that you will be unsatisfied with what they're doing over there at all. Uh, also remember Ducklander Calls, Bobby Hayes' call company. You can get 10% off his calls at NAW23. I'm using his um, call this year. This will be the second or third year that that i've been using it and i'm really really love it i've been to him shop he is just a quality guy with quality calls and and he tunes every single one of them himself i'm telling you it's just a fantastic fantastic call so check that out it's ducklandercalls.com for his products so let's go ahead and jump into this hunt weekend so weekend number three and let me real quick here look up uh, my numbers going into this weekend. And I've had I've already released one of the videos from this weekend. Uh, you can see that uh, it was actually I released hunt number two because I thought it was just kind of the best the best um, hunt of the best hunt of the weekend. So I thought I'm just going to go ahead and release this now, and I'm working on hunt number one now. So let me filter this out really quick. Now, this is a really great thing about the app. I just can go into the filters and I can put custom dates. And I just click September 1st through September 11th. And that will give me my numbers for the first two weekends. So after the first two weekends, I had three hunts, 17 harvested, 5.6 average. And those were 17 blue wings and no green wings. Georgie had 34 retrieves on those weekends and I'm adding pictures. And so those were my numbers going into uh, this weekend. And so I doubled my hunts. I went from three hunts to six hunts. So it's really cool to look at these numbers over here. Um, the North American waterfowler.com or um, app on the Android and iPhone, you can check it out there. So that's that's kind of where I was at going into the weekend. And my group numbers were 
44 harvested on three hunts, 40 blue wing, four green wing teal. So that's kind of what we had done as a group up to that point. So um, I had been talking to Jake from Chasing Green about a wife weekend because he was thinking about coming up and doing some teal hunting. And we we finally met his wife at Aiden's wedding. His golden boy got married to Lydia. And man, she's awesome. She's freaking awesome, Aiden's wife. So we had been talking about just doing a big couples weekend, getting an Airbnb, hanging out and all that. And it fell through where Jake and his wife couldn't make it up. So I talked to Aiden. He's like, why don't you guys just come stay at my place? And it'll be me and Lydia and you and your wife, Beth. And we'll just have a weekend about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take Friday off. So we rolled down there on Thursday after I got off work. Beth and I rolled down there and, and hung out with them. So Friday, Aiden had to work. And so I was going to go on a solo hunt and I, I just love solo hunts. I, I, I went through several years of my life, like 2007, 2008, 2009, where most of my hunts were solo hunts. I mean, I hunted by myself just constantly and it's something I want to do more. I miss it. I absolutely love hunting by myself. Now, Bobby Hayes claims that that's the time that you improve yourself as a waterfowl hunter the most when you hunt by yourself because you're making all the decisions you've got no one to blame but yourself and, and it's a huge part of refining your waterfowling game and i can tell you from those two years where i hunted all by myself i certainly feel like i became a better waterfowler i didn't have a network at that time that i could call and get information of. So like all the scouting was me all the, everything and i had really successful years during that time in fact i could go back and real quick just look at 2007 um on here but i guess i won't i won't mess with that but so friday was going to be just me by myself and the scouts that we had really weren't very good they weren't very good so i wasn't really sure what to do in fact honestly and this just goes to show you uh had it not been a wife weekend there's a chance i might have canceled the whole trip because the scouting information was just not good. And I had good, solid, reliable scouting information. The whole area just wasn't good. Um, didn't look to be that great. So on Friday, I picked a spot that had good environment, good, smart weed. And I'm like, okay, I, no one's really put in a scout on this place. The other place I knew the scouting was bad. And I kind of feel like this is a decent place to try. And so I had this place earmarked even before I came down. So I brought my H12 because this location from the road has a slew of water that goes about a half mile back. There is a pool at about 150 yards, and then there's a pool all the way to the back. And so I brought my kayak because I'm like, okay, I don't want to get out there super early. So if I get there and there's someone at the front pool, I can just walk past them with my H12 uh, Ascend kayak and go all the way to the back pool. And this pool is so full of smart weed that Georgie, we had hunted it once before this year, and Georgie had so many seeds and stuff in her eyes that I actually had to take her to the doctor. Her eye got, just now finally, it's like totally healed. So I'm like, if I'm walking in this place, I don't want her just running rampant through all this smart weed. I want to keep her in the H12 where I can just pull them in. No problem. Everything's cool. Get So if I can get one of these two holes, I think I'm okay. We'll just see how it goes. I don't know how good it's going to be, but I had some decent faith in it because 
anytime you have that much smart weed, you know, you've got a, a puncher's chance of, of shooting some birds. So I got out there and I'm like, yes, this is all my spot. No one else is here. I'm on the parking, but there was just something calling me. It's like, I really want to be at that back hole. I really want to be at that back hole. This is weekend three. Birds, birds have been pressured. I'm like, anyone that just hunts this is going to hunt this, this close hole. And I really want to be at the back hole. Half mile. But I'm like, come on. You always make things too hard. Just go to the front hole. I'm like having all this mental dialogue about it. Like, what am I going to do? Just go to the easy one. You always make things too hard. Well, just so happened. This guy pulls up about 15, about 10 minutes behind me as I'm unloading my gear. 71-year-old guy, really, really nice. And he's like, yeah, I was planning on hunting this hole. And I'm like, man, I'm thinking, well, I could hunt with this guy. But I really just want to be at that back hole. And I'm like, and so I'm kind of feeling it out. And, and I'm talking to him. I'm like, well, how are you planning on hiding? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to kind of sit on a bucket, which you can do for teal. No problem. But I'm like, I'm laying out in the layout boat. And I just wanted a little more cover than that. So this just gave me like the go ahead. It's like, okay, just go to that back hole. That's where I want to be in my heart anyway. Just do it. Just drag the kayak through the, I thought it was going to be about calf deep water the whole way so it should be an easy drag just go do it just go that half mile and take care so i talked to him i'm like all right i'll, I'll go ahead and go so i loaded everything into the h12 i've got uh two dozen about two and a half dozen decoys i've got my camera bag i've got my backpack i've got um georgie my gun and i start dragging you know i've got about 150 yard drag to the water no big deal i can do that with the h12 the older I get, the H12C is heavier and heavier. I will say that. So I got to the water. I got to that first little hole, and I try to walk through that pool. And it's like, I think there had been cows in it. It's mucky, and it's actually just like sheet water. It's like ankle-deep water to where the, the kayak won't even float in it. I get to that water, and where I thought was, okay, from here I can just float. And no, it's not happening because the it's mucky. I'm like sinking in. It's like, this was actually easier. I got the boat into that hole and I'm like, this really is terrible. This is really exhausting. So I got to the right of it where it's dragging around and I keep on. I'm like, well, surely I'm going to hit this trough of water that I knew was there real soon. And I didn't. And I kept dragging and dragging and walking and walking. And I, I am not in the best of shape. I need to be in better shape. But as I got about halfway, so I got about quarter of a mile of just dra dragging this thing through like heavy vegetation, heavy, smart weed. It was way over my head physically. Well, I, I could do it, but it got to the point where I would go like 30 steps and stop. Like my heart rate was going crazy and I was sweating like mad. And immediately it's like, I'm really annoyed about this because this is just supposed to be my kickoff hunt of the weekend, my Friday hunt, my easy hunt. And now I'm here in the dark, just like really exerting myself to the max. And even when I finally hit some water, like even almost floatable water, there's so much smart weed that the drag in there, that half mile drag just absolutely sucked. And I'm trying to video it because I'm making a video and just like really being annoyed at myself because I could have had this easy hunt and I made it all hard. It's just, I, I really, I had not walked that whole section, but when I had been out there, I really, really thought from the road, you go 150 yards, hit the water, 
start dragging. And the rest of the half mile is just an easy pull through like calf deep water. No big deal. Total easy stuff. And it was the opposite of that. This drag sucked. In fact, normally when I get a couple days removed from a hunt, I'm like, okay, if the situation, like, what would it take for me to go back and do this again? I'm like, if I knew that was the Mallard X and that I was going to shoot a limit of Mallards, I would probably do it again. Outside of that, I don't care how many teal are back there. No way in hell. It was like that strenuous, like sweating all the way out, stopping and just sitting on my knees. And like, <gasps> I mean, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but at some point I'm like, after I'm halfway there, because I'm watching Onyx and plug for Onyx here, Onyx is over all of my hunts. Because the whole time I'm in the dark, so I could shoot off to the right 20 angles, 20 degrees. I could shoot off to the left 20 degrees. Because in the dark, it's easy to do that. And I'm in this thick smart right the whole time. I'm like checking Onyx. Where's my line? Where's my pin? Where am I going? You know, the whole time. If you don't have Onyx, get it. Get it. It's unbelievable. So Finally, I'd say I got about three fourths of the way back in there and it started getting a little bit easier because anytime, anytime I still have Georgie to worry about because I'm like, I don't want her to have eye problems. The whole plan is she is not going to be running through all the smart weed. So I'm dragging her and making her stay in the boat. Now, if it came to just bare ground, I'm dragging. She's not in the boat. I'm just, it's too much. I, I just couldn't. But anytime I'm dragging water at all, it's like I'm forcing Georgie to be in the boat because I don't want to get all those seeds and plant stuff in her eyes so after about you know i got three-fourths of a half of a mile whatever that is half a mile divided by four um times three <laughs> and it got a little easier and i'm like okay i can see it getting here i can see it getting here I can see it. so finally i got back to the hole and i just laid down on this mud bank and it was still totally pitch black out and I just laid back on this mud bank and looked at the stars. And I just start thinking, was it, when this is done, am I going to say, is this worth it? Was it worth it? And I kind of made that a part of the video. And this video probably won't come out till next week, this, this hunt. I'm working on it tonight. It'll probably come out like you're listening to this on Thursday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. You're listening to it on Thursday. Uh, that video will probably come out like Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, I think it'll be a nice little video. Cause I kind of try to chronicle all this stuff. And so it's like, okay, I'm just trying to evaluate. Was it worth it? And I laid there on my back and I stared up into the stars, totally clear out. It was a beautiful, like 53 degrees, which we've had all this heat wave. And I can tell you that moment by myself with my dog sitting beside me, staring in those stars. It's part of the whole North American waterfowler thing. Just seeing it, looking into those stars, being a half mile away from every other human on the planet. All by myself with my dog, with the anticipation of that hunt. That was a joyful, wonderful, peaceful moment. So after I laid there for a while, did a little filming, I, I got everything set up. And this was a layout boat hunt. And so I had this little tiny hole if you follow me on instagram at freelance duck hunting i think i even i've been posting some stories and stuff I, you'll you'll see what this hole looks like 
And I still have no idea. Like, how am I going to do? How's this going to be? And as um, shooting time arrived, it was like nothing. No wishing of wings. It's like if you go from 10 minutes before shooting time to 10 minutes after shooting time and you have not heard any wishing wings, it doesn't always signify it's going to be a terrible hunt, but it is a awful indicator <laughs> that you might be in for some trouble. So this hole was small and I knew that I had set up too close to the spinner. I bet you the spinner was like straight at 10 yards. And I kept telling myself, I even adjusted it one time and I just didn't, I know how I could have adjusted it to make it better, but I finally see four teal. And this is about, eh, about 15 minutes after shooting time, maybe 10. I see four teal and they're not even really looking at me. And I hit that teal call and boom, they just immediately reacted to the teal call. And I saw a guy on um, a Facebook forum. I think he was on the duck on podcast forum saying kind of indicating that teal hunting is strictly just past shooting. And I've talked about that before in my videos. It's like, now I know that my teal experience is limited to the central flyway. So I know it's different for everyone, but I can tell you that if you're in the central flyway, and you think that teal hunting is past shooting, there's something you're missing, something you're not doing right. You're not scouting. You're not hunting the right places. You're not, you're not doing it right because it's not that. Teal hunting is a decoying duck game. And you can call them and you can turn them and you can land them. You can. We don't even shoot. We almost never shoot past shots. We just, if, if they pass through, they're probably going to land. If you just hang on and let them pass through, they're probably going to come right back around and land, which I've got a video all about teal hunting. And I think Matt and I talked about that on one of the podcast episodes, but so this group of four, I hit that teal call and boom, they turned, they come, they came swing around the decoys, a big circle. I hit them at the corners again and they banked hard on that call again. And I don't remember whether they swung. I don't know if they swung another time or not, but I can tell you, I hit the teal call like two or three cadences and every single, every single cadence, I got a really positive reaction, which is just so much more fun when you get that, which has been that way this year. Teal have been so call receptive this year, more than normal. And they're always somewhat, sometimes they ignore you. Sometimes they're receptive, but they've been really receptive this year. And on the second or third pass, I don't remember which all four of them just, I mean, they were coming fast. They put on the brakes in midair, you know, and they're all kind of hovering over the decoys. I didn't land them, but like not hovering like mallards, but you know how teal do. And I pulled up and they were so close. They came in so fast and they were so close. And I'm sitting up out of my layout boat, which is a way harder task. If you've never shot out of a layout blind or layout boat, it is a way harder task to do a setup and then shoot than to like stand up or just lean forward on a, on a stool or whatever. It's a way harder task. First shot. I pick one out. Boom. Miss. And I looked at it on the shot cam and man on the shot cam. I don't know. I must, I think I shot in, uh, ahead of him a little bit, but he, I mean, he must've, I must've missed him by like an inch or two, but I missed him. Totally missed him. Second shot. Boom. Miss. And at that point, when you miss that second shot, and it's such a good pass. 
it's like you get that like adrenaline really kicks in. <laughs> You're going to miss it. And on the third one, he's going away and boom, I dropped him dead on the third one. Georgie makes a deadline. He landed about 33 yards. Deadline retrieve into thick cover. Came right back. Sweet. I got one. I was pissed because I should have been. I should have shot a double. I went one for three. I should have shot a double. And I just miss, miss. I just hate missing like that on those. Like you just are doing everything to put yourself in the position to get that kind of pass. And then to not just shoot efficiently is just annoying. It happens, but it's annoying. And I have not been shooting that great this year. Honestly, my shooting percentage is like 56, 57%, which the shots I've had, it should be like 70%. But I was pleased because I had a tail on the board. So Georgie and I reset and this blue wing, I, I did post this on um, Instagram. This was a stud blue wing. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was like, the, the, those four were green wings. So I shot a green wing that those were green. I shot shoot another one here in a second. That's a stud blue wing. That was a little green wing. All four of those were green wings. So I waited um, about another, probably good 45 minutes and didn't see a single other teal. And the other guy in that hole to the other side of me, he hadn't shot at all. And so I was kind of getting bored and I decided to check my shot cam footage. So if you've never used a shot cam, if you've got your phone, you can just hit a button, hold it down and look at your, look at your shot cam footage. Cause it's fairly early. And I'm like, man, I'm making a video. I know this isn't going to be, Hot action hunt. I can already tell you that. So I need to get footage of each pass in order to even be able to make a video. And so I wanted to see it. I reached down to mess with my shot cam to, to turn it into the mode where I can see it on my phone. And I just hear this right over the, my back right shoulder. And he just whooshes in and plops, sits down at the other end of my decoys. And I grab the shotgun and I'm like, those are the situations. And I've had so many people triggered by us water swatting in teal season. But I've got two options here. I can flush that teal and sh try to shoot it going away over smartweed, or I can clean kill it right there in the decoys. Which one is a better percentage chance of killing that bird dead and retrieving it? It's water swatting it. That is your number one choice. We are have a tiny little water hole and it's waist deep smartweed all around for a long ways. So if he flushes, I clip his wing or something because I'm off to the right a little bit. His he's, He drops at about 30 yards. Georgie's probably going to get him, but now we've got a wounded teal in the smart weed that you may or may not get. Versus, boom, he's dead in the decoys. And I just don't see how that's not the best and most ethical choice. People want to talk about unsportsman you know, you're not being very sportsmanlike. It's unethical. That to me is the ethical choice. But I missed him. He was kind of the way he landed. He was kind of in some weeds, but I thought he was right there. So I shot, missed him on the water. He flushed and I killed him cold on that flushing shot. Georgie races out, gets him, comes right back. Now I've got two. And I had, I, gosh, I wish I had more more um decoy action because in my layout boat and i'm gonna do this more i had the gopro on a stick behind my right hand shoulder so you could see over my shoulder and it was so close to the hole it was really cool footage and that blue wing coming in is really cool footage and he was just a stud 
He was just a stud of a bird. And, and I mean, as far as fall, early plume, teal, they don't get any more beautiful than that duck. And it was right around that time, the guy, the, the older buck guy that had, had hunted that hunt front hole, he got one shot. And so now I had had two passes. He had had one. But that was it on that. I, I hung out until 830. The only other birds I saw is that other guy got another sh- group of like six in his decoy. So he shot twice. I shot twice. Well, I shot five times. I had two opportunities. He had two opportunities. He went two for two. I went two for five. KG old 71-year-old waterfowler. <laughs> he was a really cool guy. But um, I'm like, I'm I'm leaving 830. I got lots of scouting to do. I, I had a huge to-do list on my scouting. And um, I was communicating with the Flyways Collective guys as this all was going on um, through Marco Polo. So like Josh, Outdoor Limits, Titus, Matt, Thomas, Jordan, all of us. On the weekends or in hunts, we're in constant communication. It's so much fun just to be like, hey, what are you doing? How are you doing? And Josh was hunting Teal for the first time that day. And so, you know, we're kind of trading back and forth. And and they had had a really good day. In fact, he's got the video out. It's a really great video. Cora crushed it in his recent video. And this video I'm putting out, if you've seen his recent video, are the exact same day. And we're Mark going back and forth. But yeah, Cora crushed on the video. I'm so happy for josh and cora and how it's going with them and how he battled through it just phenomenal just phenomenal can't wait to see more of josh and that dog he's got me hooked into their saga um but i i'm like man i'm gonna do a bunch of scouting but i didn't do very well and josh like we did really well here's the pin you might want to check this out the guys i'm with you know they're kind of like you might want to check this out which was really really great of him because it paid off in a big way um, but the pull out, I left at eight 30 and the pull, the drag out of that place. Oh man, it sucked. It sucked so bad. I hated it. <laughs> I felt so stupid. I, the, the older guy, the 71 year old, he was still there and I'm approaching him cause he's on a straight line from me to, to my truck. And it's like, I was so exhausted with this drag. Once I hit that, like just bare ground stuff that I would, cause it just was, it's bare ground, but it's through all these weeds and it's pulling on the boat. It just was terrible. And I, and I knew he was kind of waiting for him. I could tell, but I'd go like 20 yards and then like have to sit on my kayak and just heave to get breaths. And then another 20 yards. And I was going so slow. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> and so finally I'm like, I've got to get some weight out of this thing. I was close enough to him. I was like, I got to get some weight out of this thing. So I carried some decoys on my back. I put everything as much as I could on my back and just walked to him. And he's like, uh, I got a job for you. Um, he's like, I shot one over there. It's past this like muddy area, the muddy area that I walked through, or, through earlier. He's like, you think your dog could do it? I'm like, sweet. This is awesome. You know I mean? I've been training Georgie so hard all off season on blind or blind retrieves. And now this guy wants me to run a blind with Georgie just out of the blue. And I'm like, yes, that was really fun. It was a short one, but Georgie crushed it. It was funny. Cause he thought it was a little farther than it was. And I lined Georgie up, sent cause sent him on this bird, sent her on this bird, sat her down and she wouldn't look straight back at me. She was like sitting to the side, which normally if I give her a little command, then she'll square up, but she would not, she wouldn't s- straight up to me. And I'm trying to send her back right because I think it's another 10, 15 yards back right. 
and she's looking to her her right. It's to uh, she. So she's looking to my left, her right. I want her to go to my right, her left. And she won't square up. I'm like, what's going on? So I tried to cast her, and boom, she was staring at the bird. It was right there at her feet, and she brought it back. So that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, and so I got to count another. So on the day, I counted Georgie's three retrieves, which is fantastic. Um, and it, on the North American Waterfowler app, if you're a dog guy, not only can you keep your dog retrieves, but you can upload a picture of your dog. So if I when when I go through the hunt the hunt summary, it'll show a little picture of Georgie and a number of retrieves she has. It's sweet. I want to get to the point where that's shareable. We don't have that option yet, but it's really, really sweet. And so that was hunt number one. So we're going to do a real quick break here. And then we will come right back and I will talk to you about hunt two, hunt three. It'll be, that, I, I won't talk near as long about these other two as I did this one. That This one was just kind of more unique to me than the other two. So I'll just kind of glaze over those other two um hunts and then we'll get into the calm of the week so i will be right back fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home it's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All right. Thank you for sticking around. I appreciate it. So let's get into Hunt 2 and Hunt 3. I'm not going to give a real long time on these because there's nothing nothing overly eventful. But I took Josh's pen, and I went and checked this place out. And it was about 1030 before I got over there. And I saw lots. No one was hunting. I saw lots of teal at 1030. I'm like, this place looks sweet. So I'm like, I I, I don't know if we're going to hunt this or not. I got a lot more scouting to do. But I was really, really encouraged by the number of birds that I saw there. So then I went and I was going to scout a, a lake. And when I got to the lake, I saw quite a few teal at the lake. And I was like, way more than I expected. And I kind of wanted to hunt this lake. I kind of wanted to hunt this lake. I got out of the truck. I was walking down. I was glassing the birds. I wasn't paying attention. And there happened to be like a ton of blue-green algae that had been blown over to this side of the lake that was right up on the shore. And I feel really upset with myself, really disappointed with myself because I let my guard down and stopped paying attention. Georgie went down, rolled in the blue-green algae. If you know about blue-green blue algae, it's a dog killer. It's like antifreeze to them if they drink water that, that's blue-green algae. I mean, lots of dogs. There's only been one recorded human death of blue-green algae. It is a dog killer. And it's becoming more and more of a problem. And I've been thinking about, I would love to try to get someone who knows a lot, like a biologist that's studying blue-green algae and have them on. It's becoming a huge problem in the central flyway. 
these blue green algae blooms when it's 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 always in the heat august september there's just a ton of it and georgie goes down rolls in it had it all over the side of her face I just didn't even stop to think that might be blue green algae and I should have. And it's embarrassing to admit it to you guys. It makes me just so disappointed with myself. So mad at myself that I just had ducks. There were so many ducks out there that I was looking at that. I got single focused, like the same part of me that if you listen to the podcast uh, a while ago about um, where I almost got the truck and the boat stuck in the mud on that road. When I've got ducks on the brain, my it's like my analysis of life just is gone. I get so tunnel visioned that everything else is, and that's a dangerous side of myself that I have to get a grip on. I've got to get a grip on that side of myself. That could show up on ice, ice hunts. I've got to do a better job of not letting my judgment and my perception get clouded by just being so excited about what I'm seeing in front of me with the waterfowl. She rolls in it. Gosh, this is embarrassing to even tell about. I'm like, oh man, she's got this crap all over her face. I throw a stick out. She, to, to, hopefully that she can kind of clean herself up a little bit. She gets it, brings it back. We went and done, did more scouting. And then I was sending Aiden Marcos and Aiden's like, uh, um, that might be blue green algae, man. Cause he saw it in the picture. And I had been, I, my perception of it was, that like blue green algae has to be in a special phase to omit the toxicity that kills dogs. At that time, I thought this algae had been up on this bank forever and was just like, had all dried out and, and gotten um like dead. And I really didn't, I kind of blew him off about it. But then I talked to another, I talked to the manager of that whole lake and he was like, no, this, this blue green algae is definitely toxic. And, and I had went and cleaned Georgie off before I talked to him because I went and uh, I had it in my head, like blue green algae a little bit at the, obviously at this point, cause Aiden had said something about it. And so we went right back to the truck. I went, got her in a fresh water, made sure to clean that all off of her and everything. But then I, I talked to the lake manager and he's like, yeah, they just put out like a report. That's definitely toxic. It's definitely of the stage that it can kill dogs. And that about ruined the rest of my weekend. Because this is Friday at about 12, 1230. So now I call the vet because there's a vet in the area. I found a vet in the area, called him, talked to him about it. And they're like, well, there's nothing you can do. You know, just got to watch her. And man, oh man, I'm telling you that about ruined my next 24 hours. It did. It ruined my next 24 hours because I'm so upset with myself for not being more careful, for not thinking about it. In August, September, you have to always be thinking about blue-green algae, and I'll never make this mistake again because if this little dog had died because of my lack of of like just perceiving the area and looking around saying, Hmm, that's some weird looking stuff. Could that be blue green algae? I don't know. I better make sure and keep my dog out of it. Right. Obviously if she had died, I, I just, so we didn't hunt. We did not hunt that lake the next morning. Needless to say, Aiden and I were going to went back out to that pen that Josh had sent us 
And I'm telling you that morning when we were driving, cause I, I was like, I could leave Georgie. I'm like, I'm bringing her with me. Cause I want to be able to have eyes on her all the time. Cause I'm almost like, do I cancel the hunt? Do I just, what do I do? And so after evaluating it, talking to some vets and everything, it's like our walk-in was super short. If there had been some symptoms, we could have jumped in the truck and gotten there really quick, quicker than if I had left her at home or something like that. So I'm like, I'm just going to watch her. If we see anything, we're out of here. We're heading to the vets. And by the, but honestly, from talking to the vets, if they have that, if they have blue green algae, like if they're going to die from it, once they show you the signs that they've got it, they're going to die. You can take them to the vet, but they're probably going to die. And there's nothing that the vet said, nothing they can really do. It's like, there's just really nothing they can do for the dog. It attacks their liver. And if they, if you start seeing it and they start having it, they start getting really depressed. They get lack of appetite. They start vomiting a bunch. It's like, you know, there's really nothing the vet can do. They're going to die. On the drive to this place, man, I started having so much anxiety about lose about having Georgie die from this. It's like I just started thinking about it, and the anxiety was just overwhelming me. Just praying, you know, Lord, please don't take my little dog from me, you know. Which it is so comforting to be a believer in Jesus Christ at those times to where you know, to have the prayer, to have the trust and faith in, in Christ and through all life adversity, really. I mean, I had a cancer scare where I really thought there was a good chance I had liver cancer. Like my liver check didn't check out whatever the numbers were. So they had to run more tests. Those tests showed, Hey, this is, looks like you got some masses in your liver. So this thing drug on like two weeks where I thought there was a really good chance that I had liver cancer. This is about five years ago. Being able to rely on my relationship with Christ during that time was everything. I just had to put my faith in him. It's like, you know what? Whatever I'm going to walk through this challenge in my life as a follower of you, Jesus, every single day, I'm going to lean on you. If I have it, I'm going to walk through it like a believer, because if I believe what I believe, then I'm going to walk into the afterlife with joy. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. And having that relationship during that time where I thought I had cancer was, I mean, I handled it really, really well. Now, had I had cancer and had they said you're going to die in X amount of months, I'm sure there'd have been some moments of some real, you know, but having that relationship and knowing that that part of your life is buttoned down is so affirming in those, in those moments. So anyway, I was freaking out with anxiety about Georgia at that time. And Aiden was so cool because he put on some music. He put on Josh Garrels, which is real deep spiritual music. I've played a lot of that on here and, and I was struggling. It ruined that hunt, this thing. So we got there. Jeremy met us there. It's a short little walk-in. And we pounded him, man. We were done by, I don't know, 745-ish. And the, the these birds were landing just smack. We had two spinners. And these tealers like goalposts. They were coming right into the goalposts. I was shooting my new Weatherby 18i, which has the uh, first light camo on it. Oh, I love that gun. I didn't shoot very well. But... <laughs> 
I was like, I think I was uh, five, uh, six for 13, which isn't horrible, but, but for the shots they were, it was a fantastic hunt. It was just a wonderful, wonderful hunt, but I just didn't really enjoy it because, um, just being paranoid about, about Georgie. And then at the end of the hunt, damn that that dog, little dog didn't throw up. Jeremy's like, man, Georgie just threw up. And that's one of the symptoms of blue green algae. So now I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. So we rushed out of there, call the vet and the vet's like, oh, listen, man, by now, if your dog would have had symptoms by now, because it's almost 24 hours, he's like, you're in the clear, which the first vet I talked to made it sound like it could be within, like, she even said 48 hours, but then she said Tuesday, which is like a bunch, a bunch of days in advance. And this guy was like, no, you're in the clear. He's like, he's like, it's one little throw up. It's like, it, no big deal. If there's no other symptoms, you're in the clear. And I felt so much better at that point. And I just, when I, when I got home, like Sunday, Monday, I like with my kids, my daughter's name's been like, Hey, Penny, guess what? And she's I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, Georgie's not dead. <laughs> hey, Elijah, guess what? Georgie's not dead. I just kept saying it. Cause it's like, oh my gosh. Thank God. So Sunday, um, Aiden and I didn't want to get up really, really early. And so after, after we got the clear from the doctor that like, cause we, as he's like, you want to do a bunch of scouting? I'm like, no, I don't want to do scouting. She just threw up. Let's just head, head over towards the vet area, see what happens. And, uh, but I got the clear. So we started doing a bunch of scouting and we found this little public hole that was such a small little pothole of water and we kicked like 40 teal off there and we, and we could tell no one had hunted it like why would you even hunt it and I'm like you know what let's just hunt this little hole tomorrow let's see what happens hunt this little hole tomorrow we can sleep in we can get there at the last second there was 40, 40 birds there let's just go and see what happens and that's what we did and um we shot seven. I don't think I'll get a video out of this because it was just so dark. And I wanted to, cause this is the type of thing is like, I can't normally, I like to have the big camera and film the first 30, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Cause that big camera has really good low light. GoPro GoPro's low light just sucks. Shot cams. Low light is a little better than GoPro, but still kind of sucky. Um, and so I try to use it. I'm like, this is the type of thing where if you want to kill birds, you better be shooting at every chance you get there was only 30 40 birds in here you better be blazing away and so we ended up with seven birds and we were really really happy with it. Aiden shot four i shot three i shot a couple of Aiden's decoys <laughs> i sleuthed a couple of Aiden's decoys thinking that they were a uh, deal uh, live live birds but anyway so it was a really fun little hunt even though we only shot seven and we drove around a little bit and we went home and that, and that was the weekend. That was uh, the hunt weekend. I had a really, really good time. Really enjoyed it. So we're going to do another really quick break. I'm going to play a song here for you. I'm going to play part of it. This song is really, really meaningful to me. This is a Johnny Cash song. And this is called Further Up the Road by Johnny Cash. And the, the reason this song is so meaningful to me, that same time frame that I talked about earlier where I was hunting by myself all the time. And that was the time where I was getting spiritual healing, turning my life back, my life back over to Christ. I mean, really changing as a person and, and my hunting, my, my waterfowl hunting was exploding as far as success and competence and, and everything. I was really coming into my own. And I went through a Johnny cash phase 
And every single morning that I was going hunting, I was listening to Johnny Cash. And this is one of the songs I listened to a lot. It was the newer Johnny Cash stuff. Like the stuff right at the end of his life is my favorite Johnny Cash stuff. I really love him. So this song's really meaningful to me. Brings back that those memories of those days. So check out about a minute or so of this song. It's further up the road by Johnny Cash. Where the road is dark and the seed is sown, where the gun is cocked as the bullets cold, where the miles are marked. In the blood and the gold I'll meet you farther on Up the road Got on my dead man's suit And my smiling skull ring My lucky graveyard boots And a song to sing I got a song to sing It keeps me out of the cold And I'll meet you further on Up the road Further on up the road Further on up the road Where the way is dark And the night is cold One sunny morning We'll rise, I know And I'll meet you farther on Up the road At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with me this long. We still have the comment of the week, but before we get to the comment of the week, I told you I was going to compare my last year numbers from September 1st to September 19th. And then this year's numbers from September 1st to September 19th. Remember, I'm using the North American Waterfowler app. You can find it at the North American, the North American Waterfowler.com or look for North American Waterfowler either on iPhone or Android. And there's a chance it might not quite be on Android yet because we're just finishing the final touches of like getting all the changes onto Android. It is on iPhone for sure. If you can't find it on Android, Check the just go on your phone and, and look up the North American Waterfowler.com. Exactly the same look on both. Except you're on your computer, it's way cooler because I've got a bunch of pictures on there and because you have a bigger screen. So anyway, <clears throat> you can log your hunts, all your data, all that stuff. So last year at this time, from the first of September to the nineteenth, I had four hunts, nine birds for a two point two five average, three doubles. Now I was shooting a lot better. I was shooting eighty one percent. Um, and so nine birds and all of those, let's see, six of those were blue wing 
or no, most of those were blue wing. Most of those were blue wing. And then this year, I've got six hunts for 28 birds, three doubles. My shooting percentage is a lot lower, 56%. I'm averaging 4.6 birds per hunt, 25 blue wing, three green wing. Georgie's got 47 retrieves for this year. So I'm just off to a much, much better start this year. Much better start. So if you like, if you want to keep track of your data, go to the app and check that out. So let's go ahead and jump into the comment of the week. It's time for the comment of the week. All right. This comment was on YouTube and it was recent. It was only a day ago. This was from Mark um pagner and he asked what kind of hearing protection do you use and he must have seen in the video that i had hearing protection now i am not sponsored by this company i was before with the duck on podcast but i'm not anymore so just to let you know i am using the tetra alpha shield it is a phenomenal product now it is a little more expensive they they make you they run you through a hearing test that you do online they they make it they build it for you the owner of Tetra is actually an ear doctor, but it's fantastic. And I will tell you guys, I made a conscious decision in my 20s that I was going to have hearing loss in my 40s and 50s. I, I just, I wasn't going to stick stuff in my ear and not be able to hear. I'm like, I have to be able to experience this. I have to. And now I'm paying the price for it. I'm paying the price for it because my hearing sucks now. And when I took that testing through Tetra, they told me you have aggressive hearing loss for someone that's 50. And, you know, in your 20s, you make some stupid decisions, and now I'm paying the price for it, and now I struggle to hear. And my hearing's not horrible, but I say what a lot, for sure. So I, if you're not going to use Tetra, use something else. There's some other options that aren't just cramming those plugs in your ears, but, you know, let me tell you, that decision in my early 20s was a lot easier to make than it is to live it out in my 50s. My, my, the 22-year-old Elliot screwed the 50-year-old Elliot. So I suggest that you wear hearing protection of some kind um, unless you just make that bargain like I did, and you'll have to pay the price, and it's not much fun. What am I going to be like at 60? What am I going to be like at 70? I don't know, but I'm wearing hearing protection now. So Tetra Alpha Shield is what I use. So that was a quick little comment of the week. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you again for joining me. Come join the Facebook group if you'd like, the North American Waterfowl Podcast. Or if you want to support what I'm doing, you can find us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And I would love more star reviews. We just bumped up to 4.8 out of 5. I've been trying to do that. I'd love to get it to 4.9 out of 5. It's only 64 reviews or star reviews right now. So even if you want to leave a comment, just go and hit that five star for me. I would really, really appreciate it. And as always, if you have podcast ideas, questions, freelancestuckhunting at gmail.com, at freelancestuckhunting over on Instagram, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I love it when people reach out to me. I love it. When I get onto Instagram and I see that little message, I'm like, yes, I love talking to people about waterfowling. I don't get tired of it because I am a North American waterfowler, just like you are, and we'd rarely get tired of talking about this sport. So... Until next time, you have listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Now I've been out in the desert Just doing my time Searching through the dust Looking for a sign If there's a light up ahead 
Well, brother, I don't know But I got this fever burning in my soul Further on up the road 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 One sunny morning We'll rise, I know And I'll meet you further on Up the road